Testament and the reading of God's Word and just um, intaking it, the intake of God's Word and how that is essential uh, for how we uh, live the Christian life. And we were relating this to one of Edwards' resolution, Edward, uh, number 28, where he says, I resolve to study God's Word purposefully, diligently, and regularly so that I will grow in my understanding of God's Word and clearly see the evidence of it lived out in my life. And we made the point a couple of weeks ago that Scripture is the foundation for Christian living and went through a bunch of passages, 2 Timothy 3, Psalm 19, Psalm 119, Deuteronomy 8, uh, to just kind of establish that fact. I know it's something that we know, but it's important that we know that. And as we are preparing ourselves for uh, this coming Sunday, our message this week is going to come from uh, Joshua chapter 8. And at the end of that chapter, there's a big emphasis on the word of the Lord, how Joshua uh, wrote out uh, probably just the Ten Commandments. But he, he wrote out God's law on the stone, and he read God's law, which, which for them was God's word at that time, the only part of God's word that they had, um, that they uh, he read that to them because that was where their life was going to come from. The, so the centrality of the word, I've been thinking through about passages that talk about the importance of God's word, and it's over and over again, whether it's you know, the law, whether it's you know, Joshua or uh, judges or kings, where there's that exhortation to, to read and to know God's word. The Psalms have that exhortation to go back to God's word. Uh, we see it in the New Testament, where Jesus often quotes from the Old Testament to uh, explain the gospel, to explain uh, how God's people are to live. Paul, of course, uh, quotes and interprets the Old Testament, the, the, the word of God in his time, uh, and its benefits for us, both for doctrine and for life. Uh, we see uh, just that emphasis, uh, the exhortation, again, from Paul to Timothy and from and Peter to the churches that he wrote to about the, the importance, the centrality of God's word and how it should be a central part of our life. It's the foundation uh, for Christian living. So just kind of to establish that fact, what I want to uh, talk about tonight is why that's important. Why is Scripture foundational for Christian living? Why is it that we are a people of the book? Why is it that we emphasize the Word of God? Why is it important for us to read, to hear, to study, to memorize God's Word? Why is the Word central to our gatherings? Why do we have a devotion on Wednesday night? Why do we preach God's Word on Sunday morning? Why do we do men's and women's Bible studies? Why do we have Sunday school? It's all because of the centrality of God's Word. We understand that we cannot honor God and we cannot experience the life that He would have for us in Christ unless we are reading the Word of God and applying the Word of God to our lives. So I want to talk tonight a little bit about why Scripture is foundational for Christian living. And I've got four points. Try to get through all of them tonight. First, Scripture is foundational for Christian living because it teaches us about God. Scripture is foundational for Christian living because it teaches us about God. We can't know, and I tried to allude to this, I can't remember now if it was last week or the week before my, my sermon, but just the, the, the need for God to reveal himself to us. We can't know God unless God makes himself known, right? You don't know me unless, you, unless I sort of live before you, unless I reveal myself. I, I talk to you about myself. I share my story. We, we live together in community. I share parts of my life with you. You see me live and how I interact with my family, how I interact with my wife and my kids and, and with the rest of the church body and with outsiders. It is through that unveiling, through that living, 
that you come to know me. The same is true about God. We don't know about God unless God reveals himself. And the good news for us is that God has graciously revealed himself to all human beings. Every human being knows that God exists, and they can know something about God through his revelation. All right? Let's think through how has God revealed himself. There are three ways God has revealed himself. First, God has revealed himself through creation. God has made himself known through the creation that we see. Right? And we could go back here to Psalm 19. We go to Romans chapter 1. God has made himself known. He has revealed his invisible attributes through the glory and the beauty of creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, the glory being the manifestation of God, the godness that is, that is on display. We know that there is a God because of a creation. We know that there is a creator. We know that he exists. We know, some, we know about his power, about his beauty. So God has revealed himself through creation. What is revealed in nature tells us something about God. God has also revealed himself through our conscience. That is that we can know something about God through this moral compass that we have inside of us. We may not know everything about what is right and wrong, but we know that there are certain things that are right and wrong, right? There are intuitively things we know that we ought to do, and there are certain things we know intuitively that we ought not to do. And um, if I'm going to recommend anybody on this, it would be C.S. Lewis and Mere Christianity. I don't endorse everything in that book, but the, the first few chapters where he's going through this idea of the existence of God, I think is really, really good, where he points out, especially this part, that there is, sort of a, that there is a moral law that exists in the universe, and we know something about that moral law. We have a sense of, of right and wrong that has already been placed into us by God. And so we understand that there is right and wrong. We understand that there is morality. We understand that there is a judge that we'll have to stand before. Okay? So we refer to God's revelation through creation and God's revelations through our conscience as general revelation or natural revelation. This is revelation that is available to all men. Every person is able to know something about God through his revelation in nature and through his revelation in our conscience. But this revelation is not, does not tell us everything we need to know about God. It leads us to know some of the attributes of God, but it is insufficient to lead us to salvation. Okay? The only thing that creation can do is tell us that there is a creator, and it can condemn us by knowing that there is a sense of right and wrong, that we stand guilty before this holy God. Okay, so those are the first two ways God has revealed himself, through creation, through conscience. The third way is through scripture. And we call this special revelation because God has specially given it to us. Okay, this revelation is available to God's people. God has given his word to his people. He gave it first to Israel, and then he has given it to his church. Now, we are blessed because we have the Bible in our language, right? People long ago, centuries ago, under great persecution, sought to make God's word available in the language that we read and understand. And so they translated the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into English. And so anybody that reads English, if we give them a copy of God's word, they can read about God. So it, when I say that it's for God's people or it's given to God's people, we can give it to others. We as a church have received God's word because it's been given for his people, but then we can give that word to others. If you think about those, what did we talk about in Sunday school a few weeks ago? Those, those um, people groups around the world, what was it, six or 7,000 people groups that don't have a Bible in their language. 
that ought to make us very grateful for the fact that we do have it in our language. And not only do we have it in our language, we have it in multiple translations. And they are ubiquitous. We can find the Bible almost anywhere. And not only can we find it anywhere, we're allowed to have a copy. We're allowed to, to keep multiple copies. We're allowed to read it. We're allowed to gather with others to study it and to learn about it. So we are infinitely blessed to have God's Word. The, the, the special revelation that God has given to us tells us everything that we need to know about God. Okay? It tells us everything that we need to know about Him. It tells us about His attributes. And we, we, the reason why this is so much of a, a gracious gift to us is that we cannot know God fully apart from His Word. The only way that we can know God fully is through His Word. His word teaches us everything that God desires us to know about himself. And so why ought the scriptures to be foundational to Christian living? It ought to be foundational because it teaches us about God. Secondly, scripture teaches us about ourselves. Scripture teaches us about ourselves. It teaches us about our origins. It teaches us about where we come from. That we didn't evolve through the, the primeval goo, Right? That we weren't, our great, 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 great grandparents weren't amoebas that somehow metamorphosed into something else. And that over this lengthy period of time, it's been transformed into what we are as human beings. No, it teaches us that we have been created by God. He specially created us. You read the creation accounts. What's the very last thing God makes? It's human beings, right? And then what does he do? He rests. There's no more to make because he's made everything he intends to make, and he makes us last because we were the... It's only after God created human beings that it says that he looked at his creation and said that it was very good. Furthermore, if you look at how God created and how he unfolds his creation, everything has been created for us, for human beings, right? Everything has been created for our benefit, for our good, for our enjoyment, for our blessing. Furthermore, we've been made in the image of God. We're the only one of God's creations that bears his image. And so, the Bible teaches us where we come from. That's important to know. Once we know where we come from, we know what God thinks of us. We also know our place in the created order, and we know that there is a God that we have to submit to. The Bible also teaches us about our spiritual condition. It teaches us specifically that we are sinners. In other words, we can know, we have this intuitive sense of right and wrong, we have this intuitive sense of knowing that we ought to do this or not do this, but the Scripture makes clear that we are sinners. It reveals God's ways to us very clearly, very specifically, so that we know how we ought to live and how we ought to do certain things and how we ought not to do certain things. Okay? And God makes that very, very clear. It teaches us also about our relationship with God. Okay? It teaches us about our relationship with God. So not only does it tell us that we are sinners, it tells us, about our relationship with God. And I use the word relationship there. We tend to use that word often with regard to our salvation or with regard to our reconciliation with God, that we have a relationship with God if there is a right relationship with God, right? But really, anybody that exists relates to God. Everyone has a relationship to God. It may be merely as judge and sinner, it could be more than that for God's people, praise God, but everybody has a relationship with God. God is everyone's judge. We are all guilty before 
uh, his bar of justice. And so what the Bible makes clear is that we are condemned, that the relationship that we have with God apart from Christ is that of condemnation, that we are under the sentence of his condemnation. We deserve the righteous wrath of God for our sins. So scripture is central to Christian living because it teaches us about ourselves. Third, scripture is essential to Christian living because it teaches us about the way of salvation. Scripture teaches us about the way of salvation. We cannot know how we can be saved unless God tells us how to do that. So Scripture makes very clear how we are to be saved. This is why uh, missions is so important, why evangelism is so important. Because that message of the cross is not intuitive. People will not just intuitively understand how they can become saved. We must go and tell them because it's been revealed to us in His Word, in God's Word. And so it tells us about what Christ has done to save us. It shows us in history how he brought everything to that point. It shows us how we are to respond to the message of the cross and the empty tomb, that we are to repent of our sins and trust in Christ. So scripture is essential to Christian living because it teaches us about the way of salvation. And fourthly, scripture is essential because it teaches us about how to live properly before God. Scripture is essential to Christian living because it teaches us how to properly live before God. So it teaches us the way of righteousness in which we are to walk. And I think here, like for a book like Proverbs, for instance, right? Why is Proverbs so beloved by many people? It's very practical. It, it teaches you there's a, there's a way, there's a road in which you walk, and these are the things that you are to do on that road. And that if you go astray from that, that you've deviated, that you've erred, you've gone into a way that does not honor God. Very much like what we're going through in the book of Joshua, right? Chapter 6, everything's great. The Israelites are obeying God. They're following his instructions. He gives them this great victory. Why? They've obeyed his word. They've walked in his way. Chapter 7, they go outside of that. And what happens? They go and they suffer this cataclysmic defeat at the hands of this small town. Why? Because they departed from that way. And the same thing is true in the New Testament. The New Testament gives us as believers, the instructions for how we are to walk in Christ. It teaches us about the way of righteousness. It teaches us also about how we can avoid the way of sinfulness. I love Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. What is the, how do we know to refrain from sin? How do we know not to walk in a sinful way? Well, God's word teaches us. We hide that in our hearts. Paul says in Romans 7, verse 7, If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So the scripture gives us this clear, these clear parameters, this clear delineation of what is sinful and the warning not to go in that, direct, that direction. It also teaches us about the dangers of error as well as the blessings of walking in righteousness. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you have a Bible open, I would encourage you to turn there. We'll look at most of that chapter. It's on page 152 in the Pew Bible. Starting in verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. Why? That you may live and multiply 
and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what, what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of the, of the Lord. And then skip down to verse uh, 6. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the hills, in the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and, a land, and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he is giving you. Okay, so there's all the blessings, right? First three verses, the centrality of the word, this is your life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is your life. This is what is essential for you to live, all right? In verses 6 through 10 are all of the blessings that come from that. That by walking in God's way, the people of Israel are going to experience the goodness of the land that he is giving to them. Land which they did not plow and... and Vineyards that they did not plant themselves and all the good things are coming to them as a gift of God, as, as God's blessing to them for obeying him. And then verse 11 is, is the warning. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied then your hearts be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the, out of the house of slavery. In other words, there's a, there's a warning there that when life becomes good and the blessings become just status quo and there's a comfort and a, and a satisfaction with that, that there's a tendency not to obey God's word. There's a tendency to walk astray from him and that is where the dangers come. That is where... Uh, the, the curses come in. We'll talk more about that on Sunday in Joshua chapter 8. So God's word must be the foundation upon which we build our lives. We cannot walk in a way that honors God apart from what he has revealed in his word. Um, and thinking about just what Edwards had written, he understood that his faithfulness in Christian living must be tightly tethered to the centrality of God's word. And if that is true then, we must also make sure the word is central to our lives. And what I'd like to do um, next time is to talk a little bit more about how we intake that. So if we've established the fact that it is central, how then do we bring that uh, to bear in our lives? Let's, um, let's, let me just pray and maybe just take a moment of quiet and reflection and think about maybe where your own heart is with regard to these things. And, um, and then we're going to have a song to sing kind of in response to that. Um, that I think um, will be familiar to us. Let's, let's go before the Lord in prayer.